Hey, Reach Paramount. Welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our midweek service with our very own Pastor Rob Santiago and a message continuing our series, The Undeserved Crown. Enjoy this message. Hey, man, you guys may be seated. Thank you so much. Man, our, I feel so bad. Like the worship team's going for that offering. I'm like, man, are we going to have another altar call right now? They sound good, don't they? Amen. Let's give them a hand clap. But I just want to take a moment here before I get started just to honor my pastors. Pastor Omar, I'm so glad you're back, man. It's been a lot of work, man. I just kidding. I could see everything. You know, I got to witness everything that he has to deal with. And, and it's just incredible the, the amount of resilience that he has, him and his wife. And, and it's just, they've just been a blessing to our lives. And I would just like to honor just our pastoral team, man. Just, I love serving next to them. They are a blessing in my life. We just, we glean off each other. We learn off each other. And, and it's just, God is just doing something in this church and it becomes contagious. You know, and I think what we, what we need to learn and unpack is that we are blessed by other people. See, I, I believe that God developed a process for us to be blessed. He developed a process for us to be, to be uh, held up in a high standard. He developed a process for us to receive his spirit. And, and, this, and this, this evening I want to talk about, I titled this, this sermon after our series, and I'm calling it The Undeserved Crown. And, and I just think it's important for us to realize that we are born into sin... But that sin does not separate us that far from God. In other words, it takes just one moment, it takes just one encounter, sometimes just one second for your whole life to turn around and change and you begin to chase the crown, amen? Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your goodness, your grace, your love. And I ask that as we read your scriptures, Lord, that it begin to penetrate those that are listening, Lord, that your spirit would begin to speak to them, Father. I pray that you would use me during this hour to bless your people and to bless your church, Father. I surrender to you, and we surrender to your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give God some praise. You know, I, I, uh, I just got done teaching Reach Bible Institute for the past, I think it was six weeks. We went six weeks. I got to teach on humanity and sin, and when I say I got to, I, I, I can honestly say I love to do it. It is something that God put inside of me to really understand his character, understand his love, but really to see how sin can actually bring us closer to him because we need him. And so we talked about humanity and sin, and, and we talked about you know God's creation and, and, and the fall of man in the garden. And we, we started there, and one thing I just kept hearing God tell me as I was studying week after week, I just kept hearing him tell me, like, I'm a creative God. I'm creative. And I just think about, God, you are, you know, I just think about his presence, and I think about, yeah, he is creative. Look at how he designed everything. He designed everything with some intention. Everything has intention in this world you know, whether, whether it's the sun, whether it's the moon, whether it's the ocean, everything has some intelligent design to it. And I realize, you know, God is a, is a creative God. And as we study and we look to him, we have to understand that he is creative. 
He can take something that has been distorted or fractured and use it for his good. In other words, his original intent upon creation was for us to worship him. However, when the fall of man took place in the garden, that event changed everything. It shifted everything that he had previously created had then become distorted. And I like that word distorted as I begin to study this process. Distorted is simply this. I have two definitions. I'm going to read them both. It it means either to be pulled or twisted out of shape or contorted. So distortion means that it's kind of changed or shifted just a little bit. The second definition means it's giving a misleading or false account or impression or misrepresented it. See, some of us has, have been misrepresented. We've been, we have this idea of ourselves that does not include God sometimes. We have this idea that, yeah, we accepted Christ, but when we look in the mirror, we don't see Christ. We see a distorted person. We see insecurity. We see pain. We see depression. We see anxiety. And we don't look at ourselves the way God can look at us. See, I think about this fall of man and, and how we have, ado- we have adopted sin in our life. And that means we can, you know, we, we live off this sin sometimes. We allow it to operate and push us. We allow it to compromise us. See, in Romans chapter 3 verse 9, it says, What then? Are we Jews or any better off? Not at all. For we have already charged that all. Both Jews and Greeks are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands and no one seeks for God. In Romans chapter 5 verse 6, the apostle Paul continues on and he writes, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, uh, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So in other words, that sin that is in your life, God found an answer to that sin. He saw that what he had created was good. We know that from Genesis. But something took place where we became disobedient. We wanted to be more like God. We wanted to have the knowledge of God. There was something inside of us that was pushing us into sin. We've become fractured from that moment. But see, God has a process to everything. Why? Because he's a creative God. He had developed a process and he already had a plan in place. In other words, he was saying, Satan, you could try to ruin my creation but you're not going to ruin my process and my goal for this creation. See, when we begin to accept Christ, we forget that we are now made new. In other words, we now can receive God into our lives. He kind of jacks us up a little bit, changes us, and then he makes us good. What was distorted, he molds back to his original intent. But see, God, he if you read the scriptures... He gives us something a little bit more than that. There's actually rewards. 
In, in theology, they call it the five crowns. For some of you, you probably never heard of this. Maybe those of you who have been here for a while know what I'm talking about. But there are five heavenly crowns mentioned in Scripture. And I'm going to read through these, and I'm going to go them fairly quickly. Number one, the crown of righteousness. And that can be found in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. It, it says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who who have loved his appearing. So this is a crown that is given to those that are chasing righteousness. There is then the incorruptible crown. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, it says, Do you not know that in the race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games does into, goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So you get this crown for remaining incorruptible and in constant training. In other words, you're constantly learning the things of God. Then there's the crown of life in James chapter 1 verse 12. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. It is a crown that is given to those that endure temptation. Then there's the crown of glory in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 2. It says, shepherd the flock that God is, am- that God is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion. But willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful game, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the, chef, when the chief shepherd appears, you will, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This is a crown given to those that shepherd the flock, those that are an example, those that are in leadership, pastorally. Then there's the crown of rejoicing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or the crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ of his coming? The crown of rejoicing will be our crown where God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes in Revelations chapter 21, verse 4. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. When I look at this, I say, why do we deserve any crown? Yet there's five. I believe one day we will look at each other and some of us will have crowns. Some will not have crowns. But I look at this like a crown, what does it truly mean? When I think of a crown, this is my interpretation. It's a token of appreciation from the people. The common folks elect a king, then they crown him. It is usually made out of a precious metal indicating honor. In the United Kingdom, there's something called the crown of jewels. It literally has jewels on the crown. And every king wore this crown. It's usually presented during a ceremony known as the royal coronation. But when I think about Jesus, I don't see much of that. I don't see his crown being that honoring. It doesn't have jewels. It's not made of a precious metal. 
His crown was a crown of thorns. His royal coronation was literally a trial and then a crucifixion upon death. That was his crown. But regardless, even though he may not have been treated fairly, even though we may have this corruptible nature and we become distorted and we allow sin to move us and push us rather than him, regardless of all of that, there's still five crowns for you. There's still a crown for you. See, only Jesus has the ability to take an undeserving person and place a crown on their head and only he can see that value. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, it says, The saying is trustworthy, for if, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we also reign with him. Jesus wants to reign with you. The crown that he puts on your head. He sees the value as someone that he wants to reign with. And it goes even further in Revelation chapter 5, verse 10. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. God made a system designed for us to be kingdom of priests. In 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. You're probably wondering as you're sitting there, I feel so undeserving. Good. That was my whole plan the whole time. You are undeserving of a crown. Considering what he went through, considering all the pain that he endured for you and your family and your friends that don't like him. Considering all that, you still got five chances here to get a crown. And I look at my God and I say, thank you so much, Jesus, that you care that much to where you want to reign with me. So you want to put me in a kingdom of priests to where you think I'm worthy because everybody in this room is. Everybody in this room is worthy. But there's some things that we, we have to understand. Jesus was this great example for us. And when I look at, at, at his exampleship and I, I think about like, wow, how holy he was and all the things that he did. I, love, I even love his personality. When you read his new, and you read the New Testament, you see when he's on his mission, you know, he's on the mission field, he was, his personality was hilarious to me. He was such a normal man, but he was 100% God. And I could see that when I started to accept Christ, or even those that I know here in this room, I start to see them shift and change. See, the problem is us, though. See, we are distorted. This is a theological fact. We have sin in our lives. But what separates us is how we deal with that sin. What separates us is how we look at that problem. Some of us look at sin and say, I could never get over that. I could never change. I could never let this go. Some of you are sitting there and you're probably thinking, I know I could do better. God, just get, help me out here. Send me somebody that can help me. Give me some instruction. 
Then there are those that are just saying, God, I have sinned and I am repenting immediately. I am running from temptation. You're falling into one of these buckets here. But see, in order to press forward, you have to have a, what I call a high-level understanding. Understanding why you're here. Anybody ask themselves that? Why am I here, Lord? Why am I here? Another way to phrase it is that in order to obtain a crown, it requires understanding in the purpose of creation. A crown requires an understanding in the purpose of creation. Let me tell you why. If you understand the king's purpose, then you will do the king's duties. If you do not understand the king's purpose of what he did, then how are you going to function in the kingdom? How are you going to be a kingdom of priests? See, some of us forget why we're designed. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and all of the earth and over every creepy, creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Sorry, Halloween's still in me here, I guess. Verse 27, let's continue to read. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them, and God blessed them, and God said to them, listen what God says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on this earth. You were designed to have dominion on this earth. You were designed to rule this earth. But you can't do it with sin in your life. You can't do it all distorted and jacked up and trying to pretend. You can't do it that way. See, what gives you your kingship is the king. Amen? That's what gives you the kingship. Now, I want to ask you this. Are you fit to rule? Are you fit to lead? Are you fit to take this creation and begin to have dominion over it? Are you able to get people saved? Are you able to share in the love that Christ has for you? Because it's not just for you. I say this all the time. Yeah, he died for us, but he didn't die just for you. He died for everybody. So that all may come to know him. So your job is to rule on this earth with, with who? With, with just me? No, with you and God. That's who you're supposed to rule with, amen? So are you fit to rule? See, because there is a system and a process that our creator put together. Now what I love is that he puts the image of himself inside of us. You're probably like, what the heck? Because I know when you look in the mirror, the first thing you don't see is like, I am the image of God. Right? If that's you, God bless you. You must look beautiful, right? Because I know when I look in the mirror, I, I don't see that. I'm like, what the heck? What, if this is what God looks like, we're in big trouble. But honestly, when we look in the mirror, do we see the image of God? No, because God gives us two things, right? He, 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 he wants to connect with us. We know that. He wants to reign with us. We've already been over that. But he gives us two ways that we can connect with him. That is physically and spiritually, Physically means emotionally. And you're probably like, wait a minute, well, emotions, that's scary. 
That's heavy. No, it's okay. It's okay. Sometimes you got to get a little emotional to get that spirit going. Okay, sometimes the waterworks come out. Yes, it happens. That is God forming you and breaking you because of the distortion that has already taken place. So when he begins to take you and shift you a little bit, it's going to be a little painful. It's going to hurt. And you may feel like a crybaby, but really God is toughening you up. He's making you tougher than you already are. But he wants to connect with you emotionally. That's why there's worship. That's why David danced in the Old Testament. There's emotion behind it. That's why when we do, when we open up our services, we have worship. We want people to connect emotionally with God. Then there is spiritually, he wants us to pray with him. He wants us to get into his presence. He wants us to begin to invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts. Why is this? Because he wants to be with us. See, I love this because when he puts his image inside of you, what you don't realize is that he's given you attributes that he has. For those of you that like theology, I'll give you a word. It's called the communicable attributes of God. In other words, they're the same attributes that he has that are inside of us. So yes, God can connect with us physically. God has the ability to connect with us spiritually. But what are we doing? Not that all the time. Yes, we have these attributes that God has, but what are we doing with them? I see so many people distracted, not using these attributes for his glory, but rather they came from him, but yeah, no, this is who I am. I'm not changing. This is my hobby. This is what defines me right here, this car. Isn't it beautiful? This is what defines me. Look at my career. Look how blessed I am. Look, I keep getting promotions. And you you just think like, is that what really defines you? Are you using these communicable attributes just for the physical realm for you to just, you know, act like the prodigal son? And so we we get these things. we, We understand that God made us and he gave us certain abilities. But yet, what are we using them for? Are we glorifying them in any way, shape, or form when he gives us these attributes? Or is it a little weird to connect to God emotionally? I don't want to cry. I haven't cried in like 15 years. Why? Well, you know who's going to make you cry? God will make you cry. You know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I, you know spiritually worship. I, I don't understand this lifting of hands thing. And why are people mumbling in prayer? Well, what is going on here? Well, God gave us these attributes. What we're simply doing is lifting our hands and praising him. Right? You see people getting, you know, getting emotional up here at the altars because God is doing something in their life. And we believe that that is for everybody. That's why we open up these altars for worship. We open them up for that simple matter for you to connect with God. Not for you to connect with us or Omar because he's on the guitar. <laughs> right? We, we don't want you connecting that way. We want you to connect with God. Amen? Again, Jesus was a perfect example of completing this creation and this process that the Father had written out. And and, and the second point I want to give you, the crown requires self-denial. This one stings a little bit, right? Self-denial. Hmm. This one was tough for me to understand when I got saved. 
In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, it says, And Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Hmm, that's, that's more like, I have to be more like Christ. Yes, you do. In other words, you have to put your old self away. In Luke chapter 9, verse 59, it says to another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. There's something about self-denial. I think about Jesus, I think about um, that he had literally had to deny himself to be put on that cross. There's always just been this whole theological concept where Jesus, well, isn't Jesus God? Why did he go through all that pain? He went all that pain, he went through all that pain to prove a point to you. So that you would understand and you would get the point that salvation is important. That physical pain is not greater than your salvation. In other words, the physical world is not as important than it, your salvation is way more important than anything in this physical world. See, there's something about self-denial that communicates to God. When a, when a man or woman says, I want to fulfill God's will in my life, you're also saying at the same time, anything I wanted to do is now over. Your plan should be over. Everything that you had should be over. In other words, you should now be listening to what God wants you to do. It is complete self-denial. Everything that you have been trying to work for towards, God is going to wreck that a little bit. You know, life doesn't always go the way you plan it. You know, it just doesn't. You know, we, I think there's people that think it does. Like, oh, I'm going to have complete control over my life. Let me tell you, you're wrong. Okay, yes, I know I look very young, but I'm 38 years old. Okay, why are you laughing? <laughs> Let me tell you something. I had, I had all these types of plans. God wrecked me, and now I'm on this stage preaching to you. This was not part of the plan that I had. You know, and I think about self-denial. How does that communicate to God? He tells us to do it, but in what way does that communicate that to him? See, there was a point in my life where I got upset because I said, God, are you even listening to me? Anyone been there? God, you ever, I, I've been praying for things for a long time and nothing is taking place. Nothing is shifting. Nothing is moving. Nothing is happening. Everything's just the same. I am stuck. I feel stuck. I feel like, and I remember saying this out loud, I feel like you can't see me. You guys ever been there? Why haven't you responded to me? And I remember in those, in those times that what it took to hear God was complete self-denial. I have come into a point in my walk where I realize the reason I'm no longer hearing him is because I'm still holding on to myself. And it wasn't until I said, God, I need to really empty myself here. I am selfish. I'm walking in denial. I don't trust you as much as I say I do or even as much as I think I do. I wanna maintain control. I want certain things in my life for me that you don't understand, Lord. Sound familiar? God, I want, I want something 
different. I don't want to have the same salvation call like everyone else. I'm a different person. And it was really self-absorbing thinking, but when we think that, you know, God is not listening, we're wrong. It's simply you that's not understanding. You have to deny yourself in order to hear from him. And I realized at that moment I had not denied myself enough. Self-denial isn't partial. It's complete. It's not partial like, well, you know, I deny myself on Wednesdays, Fridays, Saturday mornings, and Sundays from like 8 a.m. to 1.30. That's partial. That's part-time ministry work. I'm talking about self-denial. You know, when you want to cuss at somebody on the road. Got to deny that cuss word, man. Don't say it. Well, I already thought it. Can I just say it? It's the same thing. (laughs) You're laughing because you've been there. I haven't been there. You have. Got to deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Deny it. Completely. Everything you had planned. All the money you have in the bank account, what you were going to buy, everything can just suddenly change. And you got to say, well, God's asking me to do something different or God's putting me in a different direction because he's a creative God. And he created a process. The last point I have is we have put conditions on the unconditional love he has for us. In other words, a crown requires unconditional commitment to experience his unconditional love. Unconditional love, meaning there is not a condition that he loves you. He's just going to love you. However, we put conditions on an unconditional process. God, I will serve you if. God, I, I will worship you if I feel your presence. God, I will, I will pray to you if you actually tell me that you can hear me. God, I will, I will honestly give you my life if you could just do this miracle on my family member. And we begin to put conditions on him. And I do think that this happens subconsciously. I think we end up putting conditions on God and we say, God, I cannot move forward unless you move forward with me. When in reality, you're supposed to take the step and he steps with you. But we have to understand that we are putting a condition on an unconditional process that he developed. See, you poisoned the process at that moment. You have poisoned a gift that God has given you to propel you forward and overcome sin. You poison it when you start to put conditions on God because he's an unconditional savior. So what's, what's speaking to him? When you deny yourself and when you unconditionally commit, commit yourself to him. That's what speaks to him. I said this before, that sacrifice is the language that God loves. We know that as he put his son on the cross, that it was that sacrifice communicating to us how much he loves us. So what are you sacrificing? What conditions are you putting on him? 
See, a famous author wrote this. He says, a process cannot be understood by stopping it. Understanding must move with the flow of the process. You must join it and flow with it. And when God is moving, you must join him and flow with him. Because there is a process. So when I say you have to follow him unconditionally, I'm literally telling you to follow God blindly. God, I feel that you're doing something in my life, so I'm going to go with it. You know, hey man, stop going to church. Hey, sis, you don't need to go to church all the time. Why don't we hang out? There's good football on Sundays now. Hey, why don't you, why don't you come over for this barbecue? Why don't you come over? Like, no, I need to be at church. I need to go. I am committed to serving God. I'm committed to my salvation. I want to go. Well, why? Can't you just listen to it online? No, I need to go. I need to connect to God physically. And I need to connect with God spiritually. I need those two things. Because I was created in the image of God. And that's the way I communicate with him. I need to be with like-minded people to keep me afloat in my salvation. I am corrupted. I am distorted. I am fractured. I need God to make me straight. And some people will sit there and say, well, I'm good. I'm already straight, man. I'm good. I don't need God. I'm not distorted in the likes. No, you have sin in your life. You're distorted. There's not a perfect man or woman walking this earth. It just doesn't exist. So there's some distortion there. See, sometimes we stop the things of God because we don't understand it. We say, look, God, you, I know you want me to move and I know you want to move through me, but I don't get what you're doing and I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to stop it. As you're pushing me, Lord, I'm going to stop it because this sin is more important than you pushing me. I'm feeling this right now, Lord. I need to be pushed this way. Therefore, you start putting conditions on him. And we live a salvation based off your own conditions. And you put your own conditions on it. Titus chapter 3, verse 4 through 5 says, But when the, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. In other words, when you start to feel God move, tug at your heart, change you a little bit, understand that is not you. That is him. That is him instilling his Holy Spirit into you, trying to push you past this speed bump that you put up. It's part of the systematic process. It's a process from a creative God. It's a process of salvation. See, Abraham was an adulterer. Moses was a murderer. David was an adulterer. But they went through this process of restoration and forgiveness, and God was able to move through them despite the sin that, ha- that they had in their lives. Even the Israelites, when God gave them, here's what God gave them. He gave them a leader in Moses. He gave them freedom from Egypt. He gave them prophets like Elijah. He gave them a tabernacle to worship. He gave them a savior to get them saved. But they kept complaining. Where are you, God? Where did you go? Why is this so difficult? Are you even moving? Do you even hear me? 
Here's everything that Israel wanted before they wanted God. The people wanted their own nation. They begged for a king. They wanted a king. God was not good enough. The people built their own houses before the temple. And then they ended up crucifying the Savior. But there's still a crown waiting for you. Despite all that, despite everything we've done, he tells us that there's crowns for us. He still sees you as royalty. Even when you turn your back on him, he still sees that you're wearing a crown on your head. Even when you don't follow him accordingly, he he still sees value in you. A crown requires understanding in the purpose of creation. Jesus knew this process and completed its purpose. A crown requires self-denial. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. A crown requires an unconditional commitment to experience his unconditional love. Jesus' love for you was unconditional. No matter your conditions, his unconditional love has your crown waiting for you. So we don't deserve it. We don't, we don't really deserve this crown. When you look at it, we look at it as, as, as if we probably deserve to be on that cross instead of him. A man that was innocent. A man that died for you. But for some reason, when you read that scripture and you listen to God's word, I can promise you this, that the crown is still in reach. It's there. It's not late. It's not too late. I don't care what you did last week. I don't care what you did last month. God is saying, hey, look, I got a crown. It's not too late. It's in reach. It's right there waiting for you. If I can have every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. Romans chapter 5, 6. I want you to listen to this again and again. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. You're sitting there just like I sat there, distorted. Some of us are still distorted. I'm distorted. I need to get corrected. I need to get straightened out. I need God's word in my life. I need need good preaching. I need a good leader. I need good mentorship. I need the Holy Spirit just as much as you. But the sermon I preach today isn't, it, it isn't meant to, it isn't meant for anyone else's glory but God's. But you have to realize that you are distorted to some effect. But that the opportunity to receive Christ, it only takes one moment that can change your life, that can put a crown on your head. And I, I'm looking at, at a, a room full of people that probably know Jesus, but I know that there's some here that's probably are sitting there saying, you know what? Yeah, I, I accepted Christ into my life, but you know what? I don't understand this crown thing. I'm here to tell you that on the second judgment, there's gonna be crowns handed out. And I don't want you merely to serve God for one purpose, to avoid hell. 
I want you to serve God because you want to be in the kingdom of priests. You want to be in heaven with him. And you want to worship him. There's not going to be any lukewarm Christians in heaven. There's not going to be any people that have one foot in the world and one foot in church in heaven. There's going to be people that worship and love Jesus in heaven. And I want you to ask yourself, do you honestly love Jesus? Do you honestly think, you know, know that you can get into heaven without a shadow of a doubt? Do you think you've made it? Do you think you're good enough? Because if you don't, and you're being honest with yourself this evening, the crown is still in reach. It's not over. Maybe you're here for the first time and you're probably like, I, you know, it's been a while since I've been to church. You're not here by accident. I believe God works in a divine manner. Whereas he's sitting on his throne, he's watching you. And there is a purpose and a process that he's laid out for you. There's a Holy Spirit that wants to get inside of you, straighten you out, change that distortion, and put you back to the original intent and design that he created you for. See, you can turn it around. It's not too late. Jesus died for you. No matter your background, no matter what you're wearing, no matter the pain, the hurt, he died for you. He loves you. And so right now, if you're sitting there and you're wondering, how can I rededicate my life or how can I accept Jesus? If you're asking yourself that question, you want to make a commitment today, an unconditional commitment. I want you to lift your hands. Maybe you're feeling some heaviness in your heart. And you're probably thinking, well, I've already accepted Christ. But do you know that you would go to heaven if you were to die today? Lift your hand in this place if that's you. If you know, or if you, if you don't know if you can make it to heaven, or you know, hey, I need Jesus in my life. If that's you, just raise your hand. Amen, I see that hand. You can put it down. God bless you. I see that hand back there. You can put it down. God bless you. Anyone else? I see that hand back there. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. Anyone else? I see that hand. God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Do not pass up this opportunity for God to move in your life and you begin a new process of becoming renewed in his presence. Anyone else at all before I change the order of the service? I don't want you to miss out on this opportunity, church. You may be sitting there and there's a heaviness or a tugging at your heart. That is not me. I see that hand. God bless you. You can put it down. That is not me. I see that hand. God bless you. That's the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart. That's God trying to talk to you. I see that hand, brother. God bless you. Anyone else? This is the most important part of the service. This is why we do what we do. This is why everyone is here on a Wednesday night. It's to see souls get saved in this church. That's what we're about. Anyone else want to join these brave hands? You will not be alone. Amen. Listen, if you, if you raised your hand, I want you to do one more thing for me. And there was many of you. 
I want you to come to the front. I'm not gonna put the microphone. I'm not gonna make you speak. What we wanna do is take this opportunity to pray with you. So if you lifted your hand, would you just come up? Just come up to the front. We're not gonna embarrass you. We're gonna celebrate you. We're gonna celebrate you this evening. God bless you. celebrate you. We're going to pray with you. God bless you, sis. Anyone else? Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but now you're like, maybe I should go up there. If that's you, it's not too late. The crown is in reach. Amen. Amen. Let's give God some praise. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, they're going to pray with you. They're going to pray with you and lead you to the Lord right now. Amen. Church, I want to talk to you for a moment. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you as, as, as my brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't want to just serve God because I made a commitment. I want to get a crown. I want to get one of those crowns. It's not enough for me just to serve Him. I want, I want to reign with Him. I want to give him glory. I want to give him presence. I want to do his work. I want to be a part of that kingdom of priests. If that's you, and you want that same commitment, and you want that crown, on that time of judgment, I want you to come to the altar and begin to speak to him. Begin to contend for him. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.